welcome to this week's episode of Nobody Asked for This, a diet culture takedown. I'm Kendra. And I'm Megan. And Halloween has just happened. Ooh. Megan, how do you feel about Halloween? Just first I off. I love it. I love it. Do you love do it? Do you? Yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm kind of indifferent these days. I mean, if there's like a good party to go to, I'm here for it. But that's not my life at the moment. Like, yeah. I will be packing on Halloween. So, anyway. Do you have a favorite costume? Absolutely. Six years old, first grade, I was a tube of toothpaste. It was fantastic. I had a lampshade on my head for the screw-off top. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Thanks, Dan Moss. And my grandmother made me this, like, felt long uh, dress thing, I guess, that we, like, put crust on. And then I had, like, a life-size toothbrush in my hand. Wow. Yeah. What about you? So my favorite costume was when I was in high school. It actually has nothing to do with Halloween or a play that I was in or anything. But for Spirit Week, our senior year, there was a twin day. And one of my dear friends and I went as Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And we like had the collars, like the Tweedle, his mother made us the Tweedledee and Tweedledum collars. And we had the hats with the little spinny things on them. Oh, we looked ridiculous, but it was real fun. I will say the after, the after Halloween um, candy sale is great. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. On that topic... I would just like to remind everyone, parents, adults, children, you have full permission to eat candy on Halloween and every day of the year if you want to. Something to remember when you're trying to practice something like intuitive eating or another tool to heal your relationship with food is that you're going to eat past fullness sometimes and that's okay. That's just feedback from your body to learn. Um, mm-hmm. for how much food is too much for you. And also, um, sugar doesn't cause cancer. <laughs> so, there you go. Also, if you're still feeling like you're in a spooky mood, head on over to our Instagram at underscore nobody asked for this and check out mine and intern Eric's parody of the Ghostbuster theme. Yes. Oh my goodness. I love it so much. In this episode, we are interviewing Bryn Plummer. She lives in Nashville, and she's the Vice President of Inclusion and Community Relations at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. Um, She'll give us a little bit more of her bio in the interview. It's so good. Something to look out for in this interview is Bryn's personal version of Beyonce's formation. And she joins in with us on our other songs, doesn't she? And she other does. Segments that she um, has let's with talk us. about songs. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. We want to provide a trigger warning. We're going to discuss issues around weight. We're going to discuss colorism, racism, classism, probably sexism as well. Take good care of yourself. Well, so our standard disclaimer Megan and I, believe it or not, we're not experts. <laughs> And this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. It's time for our segment called Shut the Fuck Up, where we talk about instances of diet culture within pop culture, within ads, within 
anything you can think of. And tell us what we're going to talk about today, Bren. Today we're talking about brands that call themselves super inclusive and say we're for everyone, everybody, every size of shape, and then they actually aren't accessible to fat women or fat people. Guess period. What right. they're not. What? They're not. No. Um, and I just keep getting advertisements for Fru and Co bras and you know waiting around like of course fat women fat people we have to wait around until they get to like yes your size is coming and da 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 it's like i don't care that you have half cups i don't care that you have these things yeah it's you've been out for three years there's no reason why you shouldn't have my size like it's not that and also right. why did you not have my size when you launched? why didn't when you, you have it you wanted because to be an inclusive brand that was for all bodies you should have yeah and like using done this that language before you launched well and something that even my mom pointed out to me recently we were at like an outlet mall and i went up we were in the loft and loft has started carrying plus mm-hmm. sizes mm-hmm. online online I went into the store, and this is what I've just started doing. I went right in the store, went right up to an associate, or, yeah, and was said, um, hey, do you carry plus sizes? And this is her answer. No, but we carry petite, and then she kind of laughed. And I think the laughter was like a nervous, oh, she course. felt uncomfortable. Sure. But I was like, was that a joke? Did you just <laughs> tell me a joke? We were walking out, and my mom is in straight sizes, but I was just like, Ugh. Like, I know, I don't know the specific number, but I know over 50% of American women are in plus sizes. Mm. And let's mm. think, of, I wonder what the percentage of American women that are petite. Right, right. Maybe a Gotta few, be tiny. Gotta be smaller than 50%. Gotta be smaller than 50%. But almost every store has a petite section. Right, and a tall section for that matter. If it's a men's... Or women's. I mean, they're tall. Oh, right. Like, yeah, specifically. Like a tall inseam or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My experience with Loft was that actually the store in my hometown, in Knoxville, does carry the plus size in their store, which is nice. So I've only really ever gone in there and shopped when I'm home. And then um, I they had some big sale, and I ordered some things. They were shipped to my house, and I needed to return them, and there's another Loft in the town that I live in. And I went to return them, and realized they don't carry like I didn't know they didn't in the store because the only store I'd ever been in did mm. and I walked in and the sales associate was like um hi wh- what can we do for you and I was like just here to return some things um she said well they can help you at the cash register I walked up it's not a very big store everybody heard me come in everybody heard me say I was just there to return things I walked up to the counter <laughs> and the woman goes hi what can we do for you and I said, I just need to return some things. And she goes, well, did you like to shop before? And I said, no, you don't carry my sizes in your store. So I would just like to return the things that didn't work that I had to order online. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she said, and she said, oh, okay. And I said, mm-hmm, thank you. You know. <laughs> I was say, I was in Greenhouse Mall. I don't need Mall. to be asked yes. who wants to shop. No. If I want to come in your store and shop, I will do that. I will shop. I know how to get myself to the things right. where the things are. <laughs> I went into, I did the exact same thing. I've never done this before, but I went into like three different stores at the mall and the people, mall. yeah, the greenhouse mall and places where I knew had launched plus size lines and just went straight to people like, Hey, do you have plus sizes? Hey, do you have plus size in store? And like, everyone was like, no, no, no. One person at forever 21 was like, no. And it's a shame. And I was like, yes, that's right. Thank yeah. She was like, she was like, it's unacceptable. She's like, I was like, you're going to get fired. I hope to bring it down, bring it down. <laughs> like your managers, like not fire. But I was like, yeah, a hundred percent. I'm trying to get my straight size friends to be like, you know, more aware. Just be like, don't buy clothes from brands that aren't accessible to everyone. And then maybe those brands will be forced to be accessible to people. Right. But, right. um, 
I don't know if boycotts still work in this day and age. I don't know. I don't know either. I have no idea what economic tools we have. <laughs> and like, that's on purpose. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Okay, Outdoor Voices. Do we know them? Yes. I was at their, they have a shop on 12 South here in Nashville. Um, and I was excited to go in because I'd heard good things about them. And went in and like they had these big sort of canvas sort of pictures on the walls advertising. And there was a woman that was clearly uh, at least a 3X if not, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. in the clothing. So I'm looking around the store and I see, okay, here's a small, here's a medium, here's a large, here's an extra large. And I didn't see anything about it. So I go up to the cash register and I'm like, hey, do you have, do you carry any, anything above an XL? So firstly, she said, no, uh, but our extra large is very big. I would suggest you try it on, which I'm like, do not tell me to go humiliate myself in and that fitting room. I, I can tell by looking at this <laughs> that this is at least two sizes too small for me. And then she says, and I was like, that's a bummer because you're advertising yeah, on yeah, bodies yeah. that are bigger than that. And she goes, hmm. And then I, I was like, I'm sorry. I know you're not the buyer, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, but it mm-hmm. is a bummer. And she was like, yeah, we just don't have enough money yet. Um, the owner or whatever is working on that. Cut to me taking my little, my not little, my big behind into the men's <laughs> section, and they went up to a 2X. So oh, my God. Like, oh, okay, patriarchy. Oh, my God. Which is always the case. Yeah, right? 100%. Yeah. Men's sections in, like, every store yeah, yeah. always go up At least to a 2X. Yeah, yeah up, mm-hmm. up past the extra large. Yeah. Yeah. Don't advertise on bodies. I think that's just the thing that's, it's the, the two-facedness of it or something, yeah. or, like, the... Just well, it's the, the use, hope that yeah, somebody, yeah. somebody who has a who is in a standard sized body has an awareness of I want to be shopping in a place that is accessible mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. people who are outside of what my my very accessible size mm-hmm. is, but then not actually oh, serving so they, that. Yeah. Oh, so they this store says they are that I'm gonna trust that and go in yes. without doing the research to find out if that's really true. Yeah. yeah. I think just like if you're going to say you're about something, be about that thing, mm-hmm. and then be reasonable in your pursuit of that thing. Yeah, and full throated in it, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, I you forgot know? the total the other thing that she said to me. Oh God, she said, "I pray for this woman because she seems lost." Okay, she go ahead. Seem a lost. She <laughs> said, "Yeah, it's also a bummer that we don't carry double XS, double extra small." Okay, She's so like, it doesn't no, serve them. and I'm like. Mm-mm. No. Yeah, it, uh, that that really sucks for them. Yeah, because also you can make the clothes. They're they could they're still a, more accessible than not having the high, the bigger sizes. Yes. because you could take a small and make it the size you wanted. You can't yeah. do the op. You can't right. do the opposite. Like, are <laughs> yes. you asking me to feel sorry? <laughs> like, what in for the world? someone yeah that has a lot of access it reminds me of when fenty first came out and like all the dark-skinned girls were like like fenty beauty were like i'm so excited this tone is here i'm so excited this tone is here and then there were it was like this has never happened before this is amazing and there was like a swath of like red-haired white women who were like yes and our plight is equally tough thank you (laughs) that's right and i I was like they all they all they were like we stand fist in the air like <laughs> i see you sister as your alabaster sister it was absolutely foolish there were some people who were like albino and they have like specific albino sheets and that's different i yeah, think but sure 
But, but this is like, I'm a redhead and welcome to my world. Yeah, I was and like, it's like, no. <laughs> no, no, no. The answer no, no, is no. no. That's not going to fly. And it's just not the same. Anyway. Um, so you might <sighs> be thinking as you're listening to this, well, can anybody do anything right? Like, what if? why can't we like just be happy that they're even blah, blah, blah? Here's the thing. I have, personally, I have space for that in humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's learn. Let's mm-hmm. not be too quick to be like, no, you're wrong, or call out culture right. necessarily for a human. Because, you know, five minutes ago, not five minutes ago, but like I was on this train. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I do not have space for this for corporations. Not right. at all. This is the problem. Not at all. They do not deserve it. No. 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 I know this is shut the fuck up, but I do want to give a shout out to someone who's do doing it. it great. Do, 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 yeah, do, 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 do. Designer Tuesday Bassin. Okay. I don't even know this person. So great. There's full size range. They're, they hand, they, their stuff is all made here in the U.S. in L.A. Woman owned business. And Tuesday, from the, from the time she launched her brand, like triple XS and like 6X, like 5 to 6X. Nice. And like all the same. Like, which is one of the things also with Savage, I'm kind of like, Rihanna, do better. Like, at least get your team to do better. I know you're not in there freaking making the the samples. Right. But right. get your team to do better because like the plus size offerings versus the straight size offerings are just so trash and savage. Mm. But here's Tuesday Bassin, who's a woman with, I would say, one, one 27th of the resources of yeah. a Rihanna Fenty. And she's making this in downtown LA on pre-order and like runs collections every fall winter and spring and summer and all that kind of stuff it's like if she can figure this out and has invested the time and energy in figuring this out as someone who's in a straight size mm-hmm. to figure these things out like mm-hmm. then probably like the Fenty Corporation can probably figure these yeah, things out yeah you have the resources yeah and you have the resources to do better and if you don't want to do better if you want to actually make your clothes inaccessible and that's part of your brand then don't say that you we're for everybody right like everyone has access right. to being a savage bitch like no not everybody does not no everybody does. i wouldn't wear half that shit like yeah and what isn't is there i was trying to find it but i couldn't is it super fit super fit hero super fit hero mm-hmm. that is the same all sizes from mm-hmm. the beginning yeah they're a great brand. They're a great yeah. shout out to them too. Just yeah. while we're shouting out, yeah, them. girlfriend yeah. collective, right. girlfriend, girlfriend collective. collective, universal standard. Yep, mm-hmm. is a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, price wise maybe not as accessible, but mm-hmm. yeah. size wise is. Mm-hmm. So to them we say way to go, way to go, and to everyone else we, we say, shut, shut the, the fuck up. This episode is brought to you by. Mall escalators. Roomy bathroom stalls. Donuts. And our favorite Lizzo song, Water Me. One, two, three. I am free, yeah, yeah. Come water me. Oh. We are so excited to have Bren Plummer yes. on our podcast. And she's no newbie to recording. Nope. Tell us tell us about your podcast. Not new to this, I'm true to this. That's correct. That's good. Um, I I do have a podcast that I do through my job. I work at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center and with my co-host Clark Buckner. We host uh, this podcast called Navigate, and it's about how do you get around Nashville's entrepreneurial ecosystem. So we interview 
entrepreneurs, but we also interview a lot of the people who help entrepreneurs be successful. So yeah, that's part of part of what I do at my current job. But before I started working at the National Entrepreneur Center, primarily helping people start businesses. So yeah, so that's what I do um, for work. And then I also, I'm a hyphenate, multi, multi, multi hyphenate too. So podcast and then all that stuff. And then just do various things around town, speak about education, fat accessibility and fat acceptance, issues related to diversity, gender, race, class, ability, and then um, also MC a monthly hip-hop karaoke night. Yeah. So it's not all. Uh, <laughs> not all the isms. <laughs> it's also MC. Yeah, also MCing and, you know, various hosting things. So, so yeah. Well, let us first take the chance to thank you for that work. Yeah, thank you. I love doing it. Uh, uncommon and very needed. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. So talk to us a little bit about your body timeline, kind of your your history, mm-hmm. the where things shifted or changed for you, and kind of where you are today. Yes, yes. Okay, so, yeah, gosh, I, well, I have to everything is in, in play. So I'm of mixed race descent. My mother's white and my father's black. So my relationship to my body was pretty informed by race mm-hmm. and where we were. So there weren't a ton of other mixed race kids around. There were some, but either we were in pretty much exclusively black or exclusively white communities where I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina. At the time, we had very little um, other racial diversity besides black and white. Now, there's quite a bit of South Asia, Latinx, and all that sort of beautiful varieties of people there in Greensboro, North Carolina. But at the time, um, that was a big part of how I saw myself and my body having permission to exist in space. I also had horrible allergies mm. mostly in um that showed up in my skin so i had just a horrible case of eczema and so my relationship to my body was really informed by my my skin but i would have just be covered in like sores and oh, scars and oh, scabbing yeah. and would just be itchy all the time and just felt like my relationship to my body and i was a chubby kid that was not the thing that had issue with it was so much more about like eczema so Mm. an eczema disproportionately affects black children and children of color for a ton of reasons i think for the same reasons that black children are most at risk of environmental racism and all that sort of thing too Mm -hmm. so yeah my relationship to my body was so much more um less about my size more about like the appearance of my body and my skin and just felt like kind of like gross you know Mm. but just uncomfortable just itchy all the time just like itchy 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 like your skin was going to crawl off all the time and then just scratching a lot and so just uh I don't know I think a lot of it was just not feeling comfortable in my body but not having to do with size even though I was a a kid who was bigger right I definitely knew that my body was uh, different just in terms of like color hair having that kind of the way you think of mixed race light-skinned women having that curly perfect hair and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff so being seen as other for a lot of other reasons that didn't necessarily have to do with my body because there were chubby kids around too I was not singular in being like a chubby kid and then I danced all through four through twelve like a lot of other girls in the south danced four Mm -hmm. through twelve ballet tap and jazz and then probably around 11 or like 10 or so my body about fourth grade fifth grade my body started to change and definitely hit puberty pretty early Mm. this is like wearing a b cup by fifth grade um and so just started to get like a kind of a grown girl's body and then at that point it was um not i don't know if you guys had this experience but it definitely was a time in dance where 
you hit 12 and you either go on the point or you stop doing dance. And yeah. it was like, your body's not right for point. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll just do plays. And so I started doing plays and all that kind of stuff. I think I was much more self-conscious about just having like a big chest mm-hmm. and being so much um, more physically developed and having hips and stuff than the people around me than it was anything about weight or size particularly. I think I had parents who were very, when I think back on it now, I know, because I never remember anyone saying, watch what you're eating, da da da, anything like that. I went, I went to Weight Watchers with my mom a few times when I was nine. Mm. And I think it was out of like a, I'm going, I see my daughter gaining weight, maybe she should come with me. But mm. it was not something, there was like no moralizing around food. That's no one was yeah. like, watch what you're getting. I think I, when I play it back in my head, I was like, my parents must have been having conversations with people to be like, don't say anything weird. But they're also like fat people all throughout my family. So oh, it's sure. kind of like, you know, as I got older, probably around 14, 15, 16, I definitely, my relationship to my body was that it was like sexy and like liked that I had this kind of body. Um, I definitely had, but a lot of, I think fat girls and fat black girls especially had where, who were more developed where guys would date you, but wouldn't want to like call you their girlfriend and that sort of thing. Or it was like date you, but like it was not like public knowledge or whatever, mm-hmm. or hook up with you, but not tell anyone. Definitely had that a few times, but you know, had boyfriends and all that kind of stuff too. Um, and then college, I, I realized that my body was different, I think, or like bigger than other folks. Mm -hmm. I think primarily when I went to, or that it was like an issue. It had never been an issue. I don't think, you know, in my life or not been made an issue and it didn't feel like an issue for me, um, until I got to college and had to get a physical for my work study job. And the doctor wrote like healthy, but overweight, like on the physical. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Is that how like the world like sees me? I was like, I don't think I'm overweight. I think I'm like, you know, so weird. I just had never used, no one ever used that word. Yeah. Um, and to have it down in the medical record from an, like. Yeah, and I have to go hand to this to my like site manager yeah. and be like, Ugh. it was definitely like embarrassing. I was like, oh, I was embarrassed. And, but it didn't make me want to do anything, you know. Right, you know right. I mean? right. Um, but yeah, even to this day, I've never, I've never really formally ever been on the diet. I tried to juice cleanse one time because I really thought it would help my skin. And then I almost passed out because you're not supposed to drink juice. Um, and <laughs> as then, your meals. Yeah. yeah you know, just drink <laughs> juice as your meals. And then, just um, like fun factor. Ah, like, Hey, FYI, like we have teeth. Like yeah. if we weren't meant to chew food, we would just have these gum holes. Like, I love that yeah. point. I, I don't know. Point. It'd be so weird. But, um, and then I got invited to like an Easter dinner and I like was like, I was technically on day three of the juice cleanse. I was like, well, I guess I'm done with that. So yeah, yeah. but I never really, yeah, I've never done any kind of purposeful weight loss. Though. I was going to ask about, are there like protocols coming from doctors about like eczema and food? Yeah. Is that sort of. Yeah. So, um, I, I think, well, for one, I think a lot of my life has started to make more sense. I've gotten more language for how to explain my life. I would say in the past three to four years, as I've gotten more of like empowered, um, to take control of my medical yeah, life. Right. And then also just the things that they're finding out now. Like I remember as a kid having eczema and my parents taking me to the doctor when I was like four or five. They were just like, we don't know what to do. Like the medical science doesn't know what to do with mm. a child who has these things. And so I started yeah. doing topical steroids probably around six or seven. And that was really, you know, now that I look back on it, that was probably when the weight gain was starting. Nowadays, we just understand a lot more about what eczema is. Mm-hmm. And so it is an autoimmune disease that affects um, how your body how your body's like skin barrier shows up. And so um, food is a big part of it. So it's considered like the 
allergen triad is like eczema, asthma, and um, allergies. So mm. you tend to, like the more you get, if you have one, you're more likely to have the other. Oh. So I have allergies of the mouth, like oral allergies. Mm-hmm. And then I also have just like body oh. allergies, seasonal allergies. Then I have eczema and asthma. So more and more we know, like when I did that allergy test, like it used to be when you would do an allergy test, it would kind of bundle like allergens. Mm-hmm. And so you might have like 20 scratches and they would kind of tell you what's up. And now they're getting much more informed. So it wasn't until I was like 29 that I learned that I had oral allergy syndrome. And I had eczema around my mouth for years and just been like, well, there's certain foods that make my ears kind of itchy and certain mm-hmm. foods that do this, but not really having language for it. Wow. And then you're also hearing from doctors like, hey, you should eat more fruits and vegetables, da, da, da. But when I eat fruits and vegetables, it's like my body shuts down. Right. Um, and then when I have those kind of responses, then that makes me take oral steroids or topical steroids and all that mm. kind of stuff, which do have like a ton of side effects. I think this is also wow. the thing of how the more I find out about my medical stuff with like my allergies and allergens and stuff that mm-hmm. intersects so closely with like my my relationship to food and all these things mm-hmm. which is why i think joyful eating and like joyful movement and and intuitive eating came so naturally to me because like you know i know almost immediately when i eat an apple right that something's not right because yeah. like i feel it in my my ears itch mm-hmm. my mouth itches and all those kind of things and they say that like kids who are really young They'll just kind of avoid they'll have certain food aversions, but they won't necessarily know, and they might find out years later that they have mm. an allergen to yeah. it. So, yeah, body is very wise. It's so wise. Like there's certain it. foods that I'm just like I just I won't and I can't and I don't yeah. know why, but then sure enough, it'll turn up on a. It's like, oh, well, that's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, I just don't well, like those I things. I think it's important for us to think about that when we talk. Well, first of all, intuitive eating is a is a privilege. Mm-hmm. To be able to do, and also it doesn't mean intuitive eating doesn't mean. Um, I will eat every food. Yeah. Yep. It means that I'm not going to restrict in order to manipulate my body. Mm-hmm. I think. Does it, and I'm sure it means more than that. <laughs> sure. But I think that that's one of the main things. So there's, there is so much room for it being like, hundred percent. me in a weird yeah, way. I don't yeah. like how my body feels when I eat. No. Right. But I'm not going to assign moral value to any of Mm-mm. these foods Mm-mm. and restrict or yep. add on because of those reasons yes like they're just i think that's a big part of it too and and just like the moral assigning of foods like so many of the foods that were safe and comfortable for me to eat are the foods that nowadays a diet culture would label as like bad Mm. it's like i almost never have issue with bread or pasta or um like meat like Mm -hmm. heavy red iron meat and stuff like that like i almost never have issues with those things which sure enough Every kind of fruit and vegetable that grows in the ground or on a tree on a bush here in the South or South, like South uh, America issues with and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think I, I think those things have been occurring to me more as I get older. And, you know, there are now that I can take now I feel so much more empowered and I haven't done this yet, but to take my like results to you know, a nutritionist or someone mm-hmm. who would be like a certified nutrition, like health at every size coach and say, yeah. these are the things I cannot eat or these are the things I can only eat if they're manipulated. Like, how do we, how do we make room for me? Because I love eating. Like, I mm-hmm. love yeah. trying new foods. We were just talking before we recorded about eating a meal at Bastion that had like all these flavors I never had mm-hmm. um, and infused into the meal. So it is, I love an apple, but I just can't eat an apple yeah. without like consequences. You know right, what I mean? Right. So and yeah. You get to make. Yeah, exactly. There's some people who couldn't make that, you know? When we were talking earlier, you mentioned a little bit about 
sort of the transformation of going through being a certain size and feeling like you needed to be the quote-unquote good fatty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what that means, the good fatty, and then what that meant for you? Yeah. When I think about living in New York now, I am so overwhelmed. Like, New York was where I went to college, but I could not do it now. And I wouldn't even be able to pretend to do it now. Like, I was doing all the stuff, like, going up and down the stairs and, like, running after the train and or the bus and da 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 and all these things. And I also was a nanny, and so I was, like, hoofing it off the train to go get like one of the student one of the kids that I watched from like 65th and Riverside and then like hoofing it to get up to the bus and then like da 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 and so we were running all over town I had like a very highly physical job and I was always like wearing down my shoes and I had like horrible back issues and I mm-hmm. never knew why and then later I was like well, fun for when you're wearing freaking maroon flats, like yeah. with no <laughs> arch support and you have a high ass arch like one you can't do these things you should just wear a sneaker like be chill like yeah. wear a running shoe um, and I just can't, I, I felt like I could do all the things that it was society would say that a fat person couldn't do or didn't have access to doing. Mm. And I was like doing those things. I was running around, going up and down the stairs, love to dance, still love to dance, can bust it, drop it low, any of that stuff. And I could do all those things and, um, felt like that earned me the right to be fat. Cause like I'm fat, mm. but I can still do all these things. Like watch mm. me do circles around you while I'm fat. But then about a year and a half ago, so like April 2018, I um, had a series of just things lead up to me having like this really like intense sciatic episode. Mm. So sciatica is when you have a compressed nerve, sciatic nerve, it's just like in the lower back. And um, it made, just laid me out. Like I was just like, could not do anything for, I mean, I had to lay on my side or lay on my back. I couldn't really do anything that felt like I was using my body at all in any mm-hmm. kind of meaningful way for weeks until I started to get better. And then I was I was able to walk with a cane, um, like literally couldn't get up and down off the toilet, like without assistance. Wow. And so I was, I was able to walk with a cane after about a week and a half of that and then um, slowly regained some, some ability to do things. But um, I think it was... But I couldn't go upstairs. I couldn't do a lot of the things. I couldn't stand for very long. I couldn't do a lot of things that had been available to me before. And it was the first time, I think, in my adult life when I'd really been like, I can't do that or I won't do that. Um, it's not safe for me to do that or I don't I don't want to do those things. And I had been kind of like a plucky fat person before. I was like, I'll go hiking. Fucking hate hiking. <laughs> and when we went to California... It's just walking. I'm so sweaty. I was like, I don't let, I don't love being outside. I'm allergic to all of it, but I love nature. I just like observing it. But it was the first time. So the beach. Yeah. Oh, I I love the beach. Love the beach. I love this. I also love the beach, but I also love walking in mountains. Oh, hiking. Hiking. It turns, it genuinely turns down the sides of my mouth. Like I can't do it. Like I can't. But I've just never, I've just never like doing it but I was like look at me a fatty who's out here doing these things and then when I was really like I can't do those things and I was like and I'm I still deserve to be treated fairly and I deserve to have my preferences for those things I don't need anyone to like pep talk me into doing something I don't want to do that's right Mm -hmm. which is what I would have let someone do before I remember getting tricked into going to Cummins Falls one time nightmare you know how I like to hike in a golf cart that's a dream wouldn't that be nice so great the golf cart doing the hiking for you Mm -hmm. yeah yeah 
Yeah. A hundred percent. Golf cart hiking. We went to a... Start that business somewhere. I want that. We went to a beach this summer, me and my younger sibling and my husband. We went to a, a beach that only has golf carts allowed on it. And getting around this island on a golf cart... It was so much better than Where hiking. And it feels, Ballhead Island, North Carolina. Okay. And it feels really fancy. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Could you please take me to? I'm just yeah. gonna pop on here in the back. I mean, I just we. Me. But you get to rent them, so we oh, got it. Oh. We like pretended to have it all. We're like, thank you so much for this rental. Da da da. And then we're like, second we pulled out of the golf cart parking lot, we're like, wait, what is up? Like, uh, it was immediately like. The, the I can't stand the, the rain video of Missy Elliott where she's driving around in the Jeep. Like, we were fish islands, <laughs> us, like, screaming. Like, it was ridiculous. We did not belong on that island, and we proved it that day. It was fantastic. I want to talk a little bit more about the good fatty, because I yeah. felt this as well. Like, the, I'm, by the way, I'm putting that in quotes, air quotes. 100%. I've definitely felt the pressure to be like, no, 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 but I work out. Like, I remember when I first started mm. working out with a trainer, I felt the need to be like, um, which I was really sore, but like in my circle of friends would be like, oh, my quads are so sore, everyone. Let me tell you why. Because of all the squats. Yes. Like I, and I felt the need to do that because I wanted to feel like I deserved to be alive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To what? Yes, yeah. To, to what end? Accepted? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Like, oh my God, she's fat, but she's really working on it. Like She's working on it. That's what it that's is. It. It's, it's a yeah. struggle, but she's trying. She's, she's trying, trying to not be fat. Bless her. And when we do that, another um, side effect other than that just being a shitty thing to do, mm-hmm. we value health. And yes. when we value, when we put a value on health like that, what we're doing are we're saying disabled Yes, are less yes. valuable. Yes, that's right. Yes. Um, and yes. that's why you don't owe health to everyone no. because health is not achievable for no. everyone. No, no. Right. And also, like, or or whatever the version of health is that you're yes, deciding no, right, on. Right. No, yeah, it's not achievable to everyone. And we also can't control anything. Like, that's right. Sonia yeah. Renee Taylor talks about this so much. Is just so much of our anti-fatness and healthism comes from our own fear of death and mortality, mm-hmm. and it's this illusion that we can control how our bodies age and move through space if we are always like working on these things and then just like none of us can control if we give up she said once you give up the illusion that you can't control everything then you can accept that you actually can't control anything like none of us can control what our bodies can do and that stems that fear and everything stems from our from the capitalistic society uh-huh. that yes, we live in. Yes. Yes. And this that's idea who that creates you, yes. has created that idea yep. that you have to have the next thing in order to be better and smaller mm-hmm. and yep. younger yep. and more yep. whatever and faster and just mm-hmm. on yep. and on it goes, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You just mentioned healthism. I want to give a quick definition for that. This website that I'm looking at says that it was coined by Robert Crawford and it means a preoccupation with personal health as a primary, often the primary focus for the definition and achievement of well-being. So it's the, the thought that people should pursue health because it's the right thing to do, the morally right thing to do. And we're saying that it is not, just to be clear. You can't, that can't be a moral value because it's not something that everyone can pursue. Right. No. We'll link the article in the show notes. It's a bustle. Say it's it now bustle. so we know what to look it up. The title of it is, You've Heard of Racism and Sexism, But What About Healthism? Okay, great. That way we know how to find it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So true. Yeah. To, so being, having a white mom and a black dad, mm-hmm. how has that affected your experience of being fat? So... Ironically, because I think there is, I don't think anyone would argue with the existence and 
frontier and pioneer spirit of black women and fat black women at the body positivity and yes. body acceptance movement. And if they would, they're dumb. Yeah, they're dumb. They're goofuses. <laughs> um, we're gallants. So that's from Highlights Magazine, I'm pretty sure. So you can cut all that. But um, ironically, most of the fat women and my fat people in my family were on my mom's side, white side. So my mom's from Alabama. Uh, pretty rural part of Alabama originally, and they moved to North Carolina as a pretty your dad young kid. From Louisiana. My dad is from Louisiana. No. He's from New Orleans. Do you want oh. to sing that line? My mama, Alabama. That, wait, it's reverse, right? Oh, it's, yeah. Oh, this is my version. My yeah, mama, Alabama. Daddy, Louisiana. There we go. There and go. I would say you mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama, but I'm not Texas. And <laughs> Negro and Creole are one of the same to me, but mm. it's just striations of blackness. Anywho, all that to say, I would say, so there were like, Fat women run my family. They run shit. We are an eating ass family, um, especially <laughs> on the white side. Like we eat like it's our fucking lives. Like very southern. And on my dad's side of the family, there were more. Um, there were just fewer people who were fat bodied, mm. and he also has three brothers. So they were just not. You know, there were not a lot of like women around who were role models. I think what does come up for me as I think about my body because like so many things conform I was so concerned with like passing as a certain class and I think there are so many like class things thrown onto mixed race kids especially white mom black dads Mm -hmm. that you know a lot of assumptions that our parents weren't together which I was deeply ashamed of which I shouldn't be ashamed Mm -hmm. of they they are but see even then you know I'm like just so we're clear um (laughs) but yeah a lot of class assumptions a lot and because mixing race mixed race marriages tend to be more common at either higher income and lower income Mm -hmm. um they apparently tend to be more high occurring in those two segments and i was just very concerned with like being a good kind of mixed kid Mm -hmm. and also i would say there was a particular obsession with not obsession, but fetishization of whiteness and, and mimicking whiteness that came from both both sides. And so colorism, and that's the preferential treatment of lighter-skinned people of color in comparison to darker-skinned people of color. Basically, the closer you can approximate whiteness and get closer to whiteness, the better you're treated. And it's carried out within groups and across groups. So people who are lighter-skinned tend to get you know, shorter prison sentences. They tend to get faster advancement in the job in comparison to darker skinned people. Um, tend to get preferential treatment across the board. And so it is a systemic issue that is also uh, operates on the personal level like all other systemic issues. So I think for me and how I viewed my body and my fatness, it was being pretty and also being pretty was a big part of it. So I could never be schlubby or frumpy because that would also reflect badly on the family. Mm -hmm. So I had to always look put together. And that meant as a fat person, like never showing, you know, never wearing anything too revealing, never wearing anything that would make you look like hoochie. I remember getting into some like knockdown drag out fights with my mom about what I could wear to dance because I was in like an older kids dance class mm-hmm. and I wanted to wear like at that point kids were wearing like tights and like a sweatshirt you know mm-hmm. like a leotard underneath it freaking cool ass outfit and <laughs> I was still I was like 11 and even though I had a bigger body and looked like a 13 14 year old like the other kids my mom was like you still need to wear a tutu because you're still a child and I was like what and oh. she was like and I just remember getting these knockdown drag out fights and I was like but my peers are all looking cool and I totally get where she's coming from and some ways because like the adultification of girls who had bodies like mine and who were black mm. i mean she was projecting that onto me but she was seeing with the eyes of the world you it's know a protective thing. protective yeah, she wanted you, you know to read as younger. yeah she wanted me to read as like a little kid and i and i i get that f- for her and i get what she was trying to shield me from 
even though obviously like layers and layers of stuff in there. So I guess all that to say, when I think about how I viewed my body and my fatness, it was always through the lens of, are you being like a good mixed person, like a good representation of mixed people? And that meant that was very clear to us. That was like not being quote unquote ghetto, um, being polite, Mm -hmm. being presentable, um, always having your hair done. It was very, very clear what those things meant. And as a fat person, that meant just like covering up more, um, having to come home with straight A's and all those kinds of things, like never doing anything that would that would cost the family opportunities or come and make the family look bad. Like my parents were very concerned about anything making them look like mixed trash, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. And so like we didn't even, we weren't even allowed to use the word mixed. And my mom would say like mixed is what dogs are. You're biracial. And so now I say mixed because I think it, it makes room for, I think it's just more commonly accepted and to say mixed of mixed heritage or multiracial or whatever. And also I don't, I want to skew the binary of white and black being like the only races that are allowed to be, you know, and also like biracial, like race is made up. Like, yes, you know what I mean? Like I'm like two races. I've my 23 and me lights up the entire world map. Like, and I looked at my husband's it's just fucking Europe and mine is like, he's white and it's just Europe. So I'm kind of like, what would, what would I even be saying? I am mixed. And like, I'm, I'm trying to reclaim that as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of similar to how we use fat. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't mean, it's not a bad, it doesn't doesn't mean mean anything. No, it shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. So I listened to your interview with Dr. Mike Robinson, who's the host of Parent Talk Live. Oh, such a sweet little interview. Go listen to it. I love um, him so much. Yeah. And um, so there are a couple of things you talked about in there um, that I was hoping you'd be willing to kind of shed some more light on. And one of them was um, kind of talking about what, what to do to take your own steps, you know, what recommendations take your own steps towards self-care or accept body acceptance. And I really love that you spoke about encouraging folks to do you know free or cheap things first um, and let that kind of guide you as opposed to kind of buying into some of the capitalistic nature Mm. of how our world works Mm -hmm. of how our nation works and wanting to oh in order to feel good and be better I'm going to go spend this money on x or buy into this thing or whatever so i just love to hear a little more about that and kind of what are some of those free and cheap things you might recommend Ooh. people doing Ooh, okay so <laughs> well i'll um to, to personally locate it you know i'm i am we had a, i was at a dinner the other night and we were sharing what our favorite vices were or like our most commonly accessed vices and mm-hmm. i don't even love the idea of vices but mm-hmm. i will say one that has been purely destructive in my life if not mostly uh, mostly destructive if not completely destructive is spending and shopping Mm. and so um as i especially you know i came into an executive position really young i was about 26 when i got my job and so signaling executive presence was really important to me Mm. and so one of the ways that you can do that is to wear nicer clothes right um and also, like, class passing was really important to me just based on my own family history and that sort of thing. As someone who grew up, you know, very working class, lower working class, but then was going to, like, private schools and schools that were public but were kids with, like, much higher income, I wanted to pass as someone who was ascending um, middle class, like, at least upper middle class and above, but that was very much not our situation. So um, I wanted to pass as someone who was like both of a different class and also as someone who was like could be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. And the fastest way to me to do that 
was clothes. And uh, it was also right when like new clothing brands were coming to the market that were um, plus size, catered towards plus sizes and fat women that were like at the time, to me, pretty expensive. Like at the time when Eloquy hit the market, the idea of paying $150 for a dress was so unbelievable to me. And now I don't like bad an eye at it because I've been, you know, what's the word? Attenuated to it or, Mm -hmm. you know, I've just kind of accepted it over the years. But at the time, you know, I'm 26, I did not pay that much for a dress since like freaking homecoming or whatever. Right. You know, I was like, what? Prom. Yeah, just, yeah exactly. it's like a dress. I don't know. That's a, that's a nice dress. But it's like, no, it's just a boardroom dress. Right. Um, so anywho, those things are important to some degree. But if I don't want to walk into a room and be respected in a room because of my clothes, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want, I want people to do the hard work of, being the kind of people who would receive me no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve someone who looks like me. If someone who looked just like me but didn't have the ability to pay $150 for that outfit came in this room and their ideas were less respected, then I probably don't want to fucking be in that room. Right. Um, and unfortunately, I've spent a lot of my career in those rooms. Um, so I tell people to try to do those things first so you don't end up in credit card debt like Auntie Bryn because that shit is a trap. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I think some of the things that are free are just the internet. Like at the time, probably around 22, 23, as I was coming up, Tumblr was huge. Mm-hmm. And fat Tumblr was like a burgeoning place to find people. Blogs were, were fantastic. Instagram, I think I think about this a lot. Like one of my, I think my biggest pet peeve, just behind people who use the word cancel culture and earnestness and people who use PC and earnestness is people who say like the thing that's wrong with our society is everyone can like put their picture on the internet and think they're famous. Cause I'm like, people who say that are purely people who are used to seeing pictures of themselves every fucking where. That's right. Like yeah. when the yeah, first, yeah. I remember the first time I saw Gabby Gregg's Instagram, Gabby Fresh's yes. Instagram. And I was like, I've never seen someone who looks like her being portrayed as worthy of beauty. Like, mm. I can't, I couldn't think of a time. This is probably, mm-hmm. probably like 2014 yeah. or so. I cannot think of a time when I've seen someone like her. And like my Instagram feed is hella black bodies um, and fat bodies and brown bodies and queer bodies. And just like that affects my brain because that's my normal. Like I'm so yes. confused when I meet people who clearly have a different stream of what's what normal is in their brain mm-hmm. like when I, I again I was at dinner the other night with three white guys three straight white guys and um one of them had like made a comment on like who like a person a woman in the room and it's like that this woman is like so my type I love it and I was like I was like she looks like a real woman in Nashville and I was <laughs> kind of like I forget the straight white men are so fucking basic and all the images <laughs> <laughs> all the images they take in as cishet white men right. are just like yeah. Oh, bless you. I was like, she's just blonde. Like, right. <laughs> I was like, you shouldn't say it. First of all, I mean, I was like, I called. I was like, first of all, I was like, I don't want to put this woman down. I was like, you guys are so fucking basic. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, she. Preference yeah. is a social construct. Yeah, a hundred percent. So check what you're. Yes. So saying. like, yeah. So like, because like type. I mean, I'm putting that in quotes. Yeah. Like, you saw her walk across the room. Did she, do you have a certain walk that you appreciate? <laughs> and that's your type. She got two like, ass legs. What information <laughs> did you glean from looking at her for two seconds? Right. I, I remember just being like, oh my god. And I said that last. I forgot straight white men are basic. Like, I said it, and I was like, oh, I'm probably rude. But I don't give a fuck. Like, um, but it, it's yes. definitely. Like, yeah. It's like you don't even know what her voice sounds yeah. like. But she's like, she's type? my dream. Maybe I was that's like, the whole point. Hey, oh. and 
Put them on blast. That thing that Sophie Turner has has propagated. Propagated. What? She goes, oh, that's the tea. She's taking it like it's hers. <laughs> like I'm appropriate. Like, she, that's so good. Is the word I couldn't come to talk. Oh, so good. And she goes, and she's British, so it's even worse. But I hate anyway, it. So. I hate it so deeply. Yeah, but it, yeah, so <laughs> definitely do the free things first. I think you know to the extent that the smartphone is more or less democratized at this point, and like majority of Amer- Americans have access to it. Not all of them. Yeah. I think doing those things is really helpful. The internet is really helpful. YouTube is helpful. All those things that push... When I see what the world thinks is normal or mainstream, I'm so... Pre- like, not pressed, but I'm just so... Huh. I'm like, I'm just... I feel like I'm looking at something from another planet. Like, mm-hmm. when I see what the world thinks is beautiful, I'm just always like... Fascinating. Like, I'm yeah. so fascinated by right, it. Yeah. And in a way that I'm like, I just have not, no one in my feed looks That's right. like that. And no one who I look up to and admire yeah. does that. And so those are the things I think just playing with your psychic space first mm-hmm. and then like untangling, whether it's through reading and we're, we're lucky to live in Nashville where our National Public Library system is phenomenal. Yeah. So you can get access to great books by Sonia Renee Taylor Adrian Marie Brown. Mm-hmm. You can get access to these books. Jess Baker. Um, they also have a great audio library. Right, so right, yeah. these are all things that are free or relatively. I won't say free necessarily because of course you got to get yourself to the library, get the library card, right. all those things. Right, right, right. But relatively low bar of access. Right. So I would I would do those things. You also first. you spoke on like um, like like listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Drink if it wants the water, drink the water. If mm-hmm. it wants, you know, like mm-hmm. that. I think so often we externalize, we put on other things or other people yes. what is supposed to be our own work, yep. our own internal yep. work to yep. do. And you can wear the five hundred dollar dress and still yes. have horrendous self esteem and self acceptance. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, so yes, yes, yes. That's a really important. It's not. It's not always a case of fake it till you make it. No, um, yeah, no. That's so true. Yeah, there's no shortcut to this like freedom of mind space. I don't think there is. It's not a skincare routine. No, no. As much as I want it to be, like that would be. Wouldn't that be great? Like, wouldn't that be so great if it was? But then it's like you don't get the change, and it's also not like a ladder, like a direct access either. No, I also feel like this is unrelated. But as I get older, the less I just spend time with people who like trigger me, like absolutely, I just. I love that you can pick up your purse and go. Like the adult yes. equivalent of like, take your ball and go home, mm-hmm. is like, oh god, I have to go. Out. It's late, and oh. like just taking your purse and going. Like I just don't spend time around people who are like super moralistic around food or clothes or anything. I yeah. I think I don't generally cultivate those people. Okay, well we could talk for hours more, and we will because this is probably going to turn into a part two because <laughs> we have so much more to talk about. Um, but we want to just thank you again so much for being here and for sharing your story with us and your wisdom. And we would love for you to have a chance to just plug all your things. So where can people find you and follow you and all the things? Okay. Plugging. Here we go. So I'm on, Instagram is my best medium. That's where you're going to get the best me. And I'm at Bryn, B-R-Y-N-N, Plum, P-L-U-M-M, at Bryn Plum. I'm on Twitter, but only tangentially. Like, I know it exists. I don't have any push notifications on my phone. But I retweet things I find interesting. Um, so if you like to know what I think is interesting, that's a place to find me <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, it's mostly like Ira, the, Ira Madison's hot takes um, and Hunter Harris's hot takes. So um, at Bryn Plummer there. Um, I have a podcast called Navigate. 
And um, my website will be brynplummer.com. Building it right now. That'll go live in Q1 of 2020, January, February 2020. Um, And if you are in Nashville or ever passing through Nashville once a month, I do host a a hip-hop karaoke night at Bastion. It's really fun. Um, And there are certain rules that protect black culture. So, you know, you can't come up there and fuck the song up. Uh, We'll support you if you do. Only black people and people of the African diaspora can use the N-word. And we will check you if you do use it and you are not part of that world. So, um, yeah, come through. Is that a certain time once a month? It's Sundays. It's uh, one Sunday a month. And it varies. We're doing a big one on Halloween this year. But I think this will come in season two. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it'll be so once a month at Bastion. uh, It's a Sunday. And if you want to find out about... When those are, you can follow at HHK underscore NSH, Hip Hop Karaoke Nashville. And we'll, we will tag all of this in the show notes so cool. you can for sure, like whatever, when this releases, whatever the upcoming date is, you can get that information. So, yeah. And you're, if you're an entrepreneur in. Yeah, come yeah. see me. Yeah. If you're an entrepreneur who needs support, um, please come to the National Entrepreneur Center and come, come find me. My email is brin.plumber at ec.co. All right. If you want to email me, things about your business yeah oh, thank you so much Thanks, i love you guys this, this is so fun. so fun i love <laughs>
Oh. It's good. I really like it both ways. Mm-hmm. Is it me runnier too. than if it's cold? Like, how does the Maybe. jello set? It's almost more like a custard thick. to me. It's yeah. thick, yeah. Oh, okay, it's a like a hot thinner, custard. But it's not mm-hmm. runny. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, I no. do love a hot custard, like a like a bread custard. That's yes. a very, yeah. like, European yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. I ate it a lot in South Africa. Yeah, a bread custard. Yeah, you probably like... Okay, that makes would. sense to me. I was just trying yes. to figure out how it like, gelled up. Yeah, custard. Yes. Yeah. Getting the bravery to go to the deli counter at the grocery store, that was when I knew I was really grown. Like, <laughs> I'll go and I'll ask for my meat being sliced however I want. But that, yes. I never think about getting, like, the sides. Yeah, it just never crosses have... my mind. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start Only every now and then. I don't do it too often, but. I feel really special when I do that. Me too. I'm like, yeah. I would love, I feel so entitled when I go up yes. there. Yes. Nice Not quite thin enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did you do another one? Like, I will ask for things I don't even want just because I'm so proud of myself <laughs> for getting up there. I, when I get my, I always basically get my sandwich meat from the deli. Counter. Yeah. Like, I don't buy it. Oh, in the yeah. Front. It's a lot oh, better. Oh, heck yeah. It's, it's so a lot much better. better. It lasts longer. Yeah. Price wise oh, is yeah. good usually. Yeah. Anyway, I go yeah. up and I, I now know the, the machine like to tell them which what number I want them to slice. Wow! In. Whoa! <laughs> so, like the inch. Yeah. Well, it's not quite. It's like centimeter, or millimeter, okay. or something like that. But anyway, so I'm like, I think I don't know that much That's about amazing. it. What I know is, I the one time they did it, the perfect that I liked. I said, "What's the number on the machine?" So that I can always make sure it's cut like this. You know, you know what you like? They love it because I'll be like, "I want it's like so a pound of this," for them. and they go, "How thin? Do you want it thin or thick?" And I said, "I want it at 1.5." Everyone wow. gets what they want. In that yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I imagine if you're serving, you're in that position all day. Having people who don't know what they want is probably the last thing you want. Oh, you're right. Because so having to go to, back yes. and set, go back and yes, set. Yes, yes. But when you're like, you know, and like I respect what you're doing back there. I see your game. <laughs> I know what I want. Let's mm-hmm. not waste any of our time. Like yeah. I would appreciate that. Bren, tell us about your snacks. What um, is your favorite snack at the moment? My favorite snack right now is like a childhood throwback, and it's funny that we're talking about deli meat because I love saltine crackers deli meat and like cheese deli cheese yes. so I'll just get those on plate and I think it was like charcuterie before charcuterie but I used to yes. eat this like when I come home from school or whatever yes. just like 10 saltine crackers then I would take a slice of cheese I cut it uh-huh. you know yeah horizontal vertical so you get four pieces per slice and then I do the same with my deli and I'll just I just love it I just love saltine crackers yeah. no cracker has ever improved upon the saltine cracker in my mind and so I'll eat that and it's just so nice, like, getting the ratios right, mm-hmm. like, piling it up, and then I can give one to my husband, mm-hmm. and he's, like, never prepared with his, like, baby charcuterie, so it's <laughs> lovely. I just love it so much. I love a I little think, snack activity. I think the thing yeah. before charcuterie was um, the Lunchable. The Lunchable, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's essentially Lunchable. In America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was yeah. Lunchable. It was love, a it. Lunchable. love it, love it, love it. I just put it on a plate, and it's just my favorite little snack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. Anyway, Megan, what's your snack? What's your snack? I'm going to talk about a saltine snack, too. Stop! What? Yeah. Like, not even because you did it. Like, I... That was the one you were yeah. going to... Yeah. Uh, I love it. What is it? <laughs> it's a real weird snack that I get when I'm hungry sometimes. It's a saltine, and then you put some butter on it, and then you put a little bit of strawberry jelly on it. And you can make a sandwich, so you can top another saltine on there. Or just leave it open face. Oh my god, that sounds so you good. You need butter with the jelly? Yes. Yeah, you get the salty okay. sweet. You really need the butter. So do you think you could do a Ritz with just the jelly if you were like in a pinch? Because the Ritz is so much buttery on I appreciate your ingenuity on that. No, you could not. <laughs> it, it has needs to be a saltine. saltine All right. it needs to be a little pat of butter. Oh, oh god, that sounds so freaking right. good. Yeah. yeah. Oh. 
It's like oh. a trumpet almost. It's like um, what's the like a little tea cake tea? or something? Yeah, that you yeah. do that with. Yeah, yeah you're elevating it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it's that. It's just well, it's a cracker with butter and jam. The lunch, the lunchable <laughs> to the charcuterie. Okay, so yeah. this is the this is some kind of tea cake. Yeah, sure. Sitch. Yeah, mm-hmm. and mine yeah. is the cold to hot. It's very posh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elevation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds so good. Uh, it's a great snack. Also, like if you've ever made toast and put jelly on it, I do that a lot for like a you know a late night snack. But when I skip the step of putting butter on it, like if I just do jam and I don't do butter and jam, it is so much less tasty. Yeah, you're so, gonna miss it. Yeah, it like brings oh, it's all, it's too sweet. Like the yeah. jam is so sweet. Oh, you need the you need butter. butter. Yeah, you I need butter. Fully agree. Something about like it just really makes yes. the jam pop. I love butter. Whew! I'm gonna eat this saltine snack. It's so good. I can't wait. Eric came downstairs one time. This was not in this house because obviously downstairs, and I really wanted s'mores. So I had taken... This is my treat. Okay, go ahead. Have done this? Yes. I've had a lighter. Cigarette lighter. Ah! (laughs) Had a marshmallow on a skewer, a metal skewer, and was like... (laughs) I don't think that that's how... Like, I think that there are carcinogens involved in that um, with, like, the way I was lighting it. the lighter fluid. He was like, wait, what? Megan, what? But what? And I was like, yeah. We were little, we would do saltine with a marshmallow on Saltines, top. Saltines, yes. And then put it in the microwave for like 10, 15 seconds. And the saltine marshmallow is so good. This has been delicious. Truly. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about snacks. This episode's inductees to the Fat Friendly Hall of Fame are... Bridget Everett. Sonia Renee Taylor and Bryn Plummer. These are the people we've been waiting for. We are the people we've been waiting for. So that's our episode. Thanks so much for listening. Kinder Joe. What is your secret weapon? I am, as you put it, good at airports. (laughs) But I really am good at airports. Um, I've traveled enough to know a few, to learn a few things. One is, you don't wear a bra with underwire. You wear a sports bra to get through that metal detector. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Another is, you take a empty water bottle through security with you, and then any of the like coffee shops or whatever, we'll fill it up for you on the other side. Just hot tips right there for you. Megan, what is your secret weapon? I'm very good at singing off-key on purpose. For example. Uh I'm a genie in a bottle, baby. Gonna love. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard. I'm a genie in a bottle, baby. Gonna love me the right way, honey. <clears throat> Thanks. Now that we've shared our secret <laughs> weapons, we want to let you know that the podcaster's secret weapon weapons. <laughs> now that we've shared our secret, I got this. Okay, I got it. The podcaster's secret weapon. <laughs> don't, you don't. I got don't it. got it. I don't, you don't got, got it. it. Hold on, I will have it. The podcaster's secret weapon is ratings and reviews. 
And the best place at the moment for all of that is iTunes. So even if you listen somewhere else, you can rate and review us on iTunes and we would so appreciate it. It helps move us up in the standing and helps other people discover this fun, informative nonsense that we call a podcast. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.